This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology, tools, and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank, Infinex and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. Well, hello, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in today. Leadership lids. Have you ever heard that term before? It's not original with me. I first heard it from author John Maxwell. And essentially this, leadership lids are beliefs one has or self-imposed barriers and limits one has for their leadership effectiveness and growth. Now, these lids can be both hard to uncover and to change. And yet your effectiveness as a leader often depends on you being aware of your lids and being able to lift them and move beyond them. My guest today will talk all about leadership effectiveness and how it often starts with our mindsets and beliefs. My guest is Scott Jeffrey Miller, a speaker, author, and podcast host, is currently Franklin Covey's Senior Advisor on Thought Leadership. Enjoy today's show. Well, Scott, it's great to have you on the show again. Welcome back. And tell us again, you've got a brand new book out. Talk a little bit more about how you started this book and why you decided to write it. So like you, Rob, I'm privileged to host a podcast. Mine's dedicated to leadership as now, after five years, become the world's largest weekly leadership podcast on leadership with Scott Miller, sponsored by Franklin Covey. And like you, I get the privilege of sitting in the seat and meeting some remarkable people each week, whether it be best-selling authors or business titans or celebrities or perhaps people who aren't even a household name, but they discovered something, researched something, or in many cases, survived some tragic experience to teach us all how to improve our leadership skills. So 
this podcast reaches about 6 million each Tuesday. And what I realized midway through, Rob, was most of the guests shared something transformational, but oftentimes it was off air. It was either in the green room metaphorically before we went live or we ended the podcast and they dropped some truth bomb. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, why didn't you say that during our interview? And so with the guest permission, every year through HarperCollins, I write a book called Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. I just released volume two this past fall. There is a new one dropping every year for the next eight years, 10 years, 10 books in the series from HarperCollins. And I select 30 people, different 30 each year, and I share kind of like chicken soup for the soul. This is a light level book. You can read a chapter in eight minutes before you go to bed or on a plane, whatever it is. And I like to take the podcast like you do and shine my spotlight in the platform on other people in the hopes that the readers of the book might be turned on to a new author or a new thought leader and go read their books and follow their podcast. So for me, it's kind of like a journey that's been a life of aggregating and pollinating that I can actually shine the light on someone else. Love that idea. No, it sounds great. And and this is volume two, as you mentioned. Quickly, for those who didn't read volume one, what about the first volume that brought the most positive feedback from readers and what principles most resonated with the readers? Well, I can tell you first, don't ever do this. It's a horrible idea. Do not <laughs> you don't ever write it. a okay. book about 30 celebrities and try to get all the permissions of their publicists, their agents, their attorneys. It's a nightmare. So I don't encourage anyone to do the wacky thing I did, which is to write a book with you know, 30 permissions required for each book. To your question, you know, the first volume was a water ski, like the second volume was across 30 people. I think the concept that resonated in the first book, and by the way, each of these chapters and Rob are episodic. There is no red line. There's no theme. You can start with chapter 17 or chapter six or chapter 30, right? There's no logic in them at all. And they're very episodic intentionally. In some cases, I've interviewed someone about, you know, good business decision making or how to build a brand or gratitude. But that was just it. Gratitude, I think, was the overarching theme in the first book. My first mentor, number one, was a man named Nick Vujicic. You may know him as a Australian motivational speaker and author. He now lives in Texas. Nick was born with no arms and no legs. He's become a dear friend of mine, been to my house many times here in Salt Lake City. And so he represents such a great uh, model of gratitude, perseverance, positivity. But gratitude, I think, was the overarching theme of being grateful for everything you have in life and even being grateful for what you don't. Being in the nonprofit space, one of the biggest questions I get is about grant funding. Nonprofit leaders know that grants can be a very important part of their overall revenue, but knowing how to write grants well and where to find them can leave many of us overwhelmed. Well, it's a good thing my friend Holly Rustic at Grant Writing and Funding creates ways to make grant writing simple and achievable. Well, here's the good news. She is offering you, my listener, a free grant writing class. And of course, she also has her own podcast, Grant Writing and Funding. So I encourage you to visit grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob for the free grant writing class and find out more about Grant Writing and Funding podcast. Once again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. (music) 
Well, in this volume two, you have an impressive list of leaders. You already kind of mentioned, uh, obviously, one of them, but you've also interviewed in this particular volume people like John Huntsman Jr., Guy Kawasaki, Erica Dawan, and Sean Covey, just to mention a few. First of all, what surprised you the most about the principles and insights that your guests shared? Well, by the way, congrats on pronouncing all their names exactly right. You're the first guest that's ever done oh, that. Good, yeah. So kudos to you <laughs> on your research. What surprised me the most? Working on it. Yeah, I think a couple of things I'll put together. No one's asked me that question before. I think there's a commonality amongst these people. And again, most of these people are either you know major business titans or, or, or sold a million books or 500 million books. They have radio programs and podcasts. Here's what has... Here's what I've learned from them. That is, all of them have an abundance mentality. They genuinely want to help other people. They want their research to change people's lives. They're not ego-driven. Although they may have big brands and big followings and big Instagram and TikTok channels, they wake up every day excited to share the lessons they've learned, the principles of success with other people. That's the first consistent theme. The second may surprise you. And that is they have what I would call is an indefatigable work ethic. These people don't need any more money. They don't need any more subscribers. They don't need anything. They have everything they need. They, but they do have this relentless work ethic is that they get back on and do a podcast because they're joyful to give back. They're just glad someone is still reading and watching. And that really has been inspiring to me is just to kind of keep going, keep going. I'll tell you the other big thing that might be the surprise this is a commonality amongst whether it's, you know, General McChrystal, Matthew McConaughey, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins. They all share this string of failures that you know nothing about. The first books that didn't sell any copies, and then the seventh book sold 3 million copies. Or the first two conferences that had nobody registered, and the ninth conference that had 6,000 people registered. Or the or the you know, the forty television sitcoms that Matthew McConaughey tried out for and didn't get, and then all of a sudden, a time to kill went massive. He became a, a celebrity. Like Matthew McConaughey will tell you where he was between three o'clock and five o'clock on a Friday when that movie released, and he went from unrecognizable to one of the world's most recognizable faces in two hours, and. Wow. What's wow. common about them all, and it was surprising, was how many failures that no one sees before they got to the success that everyone sees. There's no such thing as overnight success. There is overnight fame, and it's often either ill-gotten or fleeting. No such thing as overnight success. That's such an interesting distinction between overnight fame and overnight success. Well said on that. Well, in fact, in this book, you talk about the importance of restoring one's mindset and beliefs that one finds most effective, but aren't currently living in alignment with. And sounds like for some of them, that was one of their adjustments they had to make. Talk about why that is so important and how does one go about restoring their core mindset and set of beliefs? Well, first, we maybe will level set mindset, right? I've been privileged to have spent 25 years with the Franklin Covey Company, based here where I am in Salt Lake City, global public leadership firm, founded, of course, by Dr. Stephen R. Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This book has sold 60 million copies. And although Dr. Covey didn't invent the idea of a mindset or a paradigm, he definitely popularized it in all of his books and training. And so 
first, you know, your mindset really is the belief, the lens, the frame through which you see everything, the world, your competition, yourself, people of different religions or backgrounds or ethnicities, whatever it is. We all have deeply inculcated mindsets that usually were indoctrinated in us, Rob, by our parents or our rabbis or our priests or our ministers or people that had an influential role in our life. And oftentimes they're wrong. They're flat out wrong. I mean, here's a good example. I'm going to answer your question in a second. I was raised in an upper middle class white family from central Florida in the 70s. My father worked for a defense contractor for 35 years. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. And we were raised to believe. Now, again, I was raised in a stable, upper, middle-class family in the 70s at a, a white family in Florida. So I was raised to believe that doctors, police officers, and members of the clergy were always right and always told the truth. Rob, do police officers always tell the truth? No. Are doctors always right? No. Rob, do members of the clergy, are they always right and they always tell the truth? No. Sorry. <laughs> and so that's how I was raised. I was raised deeply to believe that physicians and police officers and Catholic priests, because that's my faith, are flawless and are, because it's preposterous, right? Ask someone that wasn't raised in the 70s in a white upper middle class family, they'll say, no, none of that's been my experience. So one, to answer your question, I think it's important to challenge the belief systems you have and ask yourself, you know, is this a belief system based on a governing principle of human behavior or is this an outdated principle? Is this a principle raised or, or grounded in my values? Have I actually done the work to identify my values? And that's really where I would double down is I don't think most people, in fact, I don't think any people, if you were to ask them, tell me your values, that they actually could tell you their values. And to those that are listening today, please take no offense. I think you would come up with something quite convenient. I value freedom. I value loyalty. I value patriotism. And then the next time I asked you a month later at a different dinner party, you say three different things that sounded great and reasonable. I would challenge your values or your listeners. If you want to get really thoughtful on your belief systems, what is healthy, what is not healthy, what is accurate, what is inaccurate, what is out of date, what is relevant, first identify what your values are and then ask yourself, does my mindset and my belief system match my values? My values are seven. Purpose, health, integrity, positivity, loyalty, abundance, and learning. They actually spell the acronym PhilPAL, P-H-I-L-P-A-L, PhilPAL. It's a wacky term, but I committed these seven values to memory. Purpose, health, integrity, loyalty, positivity, abundance, and learning. And I make all of my life decisions around them, and my paradigms and mindsets are all aligned to them. If I believe that a value is integrity or loyalty or positivity, then my mindset is aligned toward that. So I would say to your listeners, first get clear on your values and rank them in hierarchy and then make sure your mindset and belief systems and then your actions and then your time management and your checkbook and everything else is aligned to those. We'll be right back. 
Do you want a clear step-by-step -step system to write grants so that your nonprofit secures funding in a stress-free manner? Well, check out the free grant writing class, How to Write Winning Grants in Seven Proven Steps. You will walk away with seven nuggets of grant writing clarity and a free action workbook so you can start writing higher quality grants today. Just watch this free class now at grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology, tools, and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank. Infinex and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. And when you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Related to this restoring of your core beliefs that are most effective for you as a leader, there are also certain mindsets and beliefs that need to be challenged, possibly changed. So maybe we can look at that at maybe a little different angle. How does a leader go about effectively changing beliefs or mindsets that are actually limiting his or her leadership effectiveness? First, I would say is uh, check your self-awareness. All of us think we are more self-aware than we are. Start implementing avenues of feedback in your life. Go ask your spouse, what's it like to be married to me? Go ask your neighbor, what's it like to live next door to me? Go ask your boss, what's it like to lead me? Go ask your pickleball partner, what's it like to be my partner? And by the way, they'll all say, oh, you're the best spouse ever. Oh, I love living next door to you. Oh, you love the fact that my orange tree is at an 80 degree angle and it keeps dropping oranges on your car. You like that? Because you've never actually told me that. I mean, so... You have to make it safe for other people to tell you their truth about you. So the first thing, if you want to, to quote you, restore 
more effective mindsets, you got to first kind of know what do people think about you? What do you believe about yourself? And what do you believe to be true? What's outdated? That comes with feedback to develop your self-awareness. And the next thing is to recognize that having a, a, an agile mindset, having emotional nimbleness is a characteristic of someone who's going to be super relevant and be able to change their mind. I actually think changing your mind is a sign of strength. Now, maybe not on issues of significant gravitas, but maybe so. Ask yourself, why do I believe that? Who taught me that? And is that actually accurate and complete? Because most of our mindsets aren't accurate or complete. You probably have a deeply entrenched mindset about people with different sexual attractions or different political affiliations or different nationalities. You know, one of the smartest things I ever heard was everything in life is black or white until it impacts someone you love. And so my, my answer is keep an open mind. Ask yourself, why do you believe what you believe? Do you have all the facts? Do you understand what someone else is going through? How was their journey different than your journey? This is part of being a mature adult. It's interesting. What it sounds like you're saying is when it comes to mindsets and beliefs, if it negatively impacts your relationships or there's something, as you just gave that example, there's something that challenges your belief system, particularly if it's a black and white belief system, and it impacts negatively again your relationships, that's a signal like, okay, something needs to change. You need to at least examine what your mindset and beliefs are. Yes. What's interesting when you talk about mindsets and beliefs and it comes into leadership and you apply that to leadership, there's this concept of leadership lids. And I, I don't know if John Maxwell came up with that originally, but that's where I first read it with John Maxwell, author and leadership expert. He talks about these leadership lids that we all have. Um, they're basically beliefs one has or self-imposed barriers or limits one has for their leadership effectiveness and growth. So it kind of relates to this idea of having a mindset or a belief that actually can limit our further growth. What would you say are some of the most common leadership lids that you have seen and run into in your work? I love this phrase that you often hear. I've got 30 years of experience. Well, you probably have one year repeated 29 times. And so I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, how am I growing? How am I changing my mind? Am I a boomer? Am I a traditionalist? Am I a Gen Xer? How do I see the world through that? I, I'm writing a book right now that's coming out in July called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. It's a book all about how to be a great mentor. And I identify 13 roles in this book. And I'm doing the round of 100 podcasts to you know, promote this book. And I'm always asked this question. So Scott, what do you think about reverse mentoring? And I always say, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as reverse mentoring. It's called mentoring. It doesn't matter what your age is. I have lots of people in my life that are 25 years younger than I am. And they're, they're educating me on chat GPT and AI and machine learning and Instagram reels and TikTok and all that. That's not called reverse mentoring. That's called mentoring. So I think it's important that all of us open our minds to have our paradigms changed, our paradigms challenged. I think it's important to ask you, do you have 30 years of separate experiences or do you have one year repeated 29 times? I also think, Rob, and, and this is the person I interviewed for volume one. Her name is Susan David. She's a South African-born American now psychologist out of Harvard named Dr. Susan David. She wrote a book called Emotional Agility, 
And she says that the challenge most of us have in life is that we confuse and conflate our opinions, our experiences, our feelings with facts. Both are valuable, but oftentimes your feelings are not facts. Your emotions are not facts. And I'd ask you, I think a lot of us as leaders, we present our feelings as facts. We present our emotions as facts. And you need to make sure that you know the difference in you and in your colleagues. Don't conflate the two and be willing to openly be vulnerable to say, hey, you know, I've kind of always thought this was true. And I'm wondering if that still is relevant. And just be vulnerable to say, hey, whose idea was that? Oh, wait, that was my idea. Should we challenge that and make that more relevant? Everyone wants to work for that kind of leader. I like it. Well, in your leadership career, speaking of your years of leadership, what are the primary catalysts that most effectively have prompted a leader to grow and expand their leadership capacity? Getting fired, getting humbled, <laughs> okay. getting Painful called lesson. into the getting called into the chief human resource officers, and they said, "Scott, please tell me you did not say this to someone yesterday." And the ca- I mean, so usually it's usually some kind of 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 incident right? It's some kind of intervention. It's something you did or something you said that made sense in your mind, but when it came out of your mouth or your hand, you know, reached over and touched someone on their shoulder that you thought was appropriate and they thought it was highly inappropriate. And usually, it's usually some kind of incident where your perspective was different from someone else's perspective. And so for me, all of my major paradigm shifts have come from when I did something dumb, not illegal, not unethical, not immoral, but when I actually either crossed someone's boundary or said something that I thought was funny, but was in mixed company and wasn't funny, and just generally learning and apologizing, learning how to apologize and grow and saying, I was wrong. I'm embarrassed. I won't do this again. I have, I have countless situations. That's where the growth comes. The growth doesn't come in your successes and your accomplishments. The growth comes when you get an email from the chief people officer saying, hey, can we meet at three o'clock today? And you go down and they say X, Y, and Z. And instead of you posturing or positioning or spinning or how dare them, you say, yeah, I'm an idiot. I did that. What should I do? Apologize. Yeah, that's going to suck because I don't like that person but I'm going to apologize anyway. I'm going to own it. So all that is to say, I think leadership mindsets, leadership skill sets, human effectiveness usually happens when you've done something that you shouldn't have and you make recompense for it. You own up to it. You offer an apology with no excuses attached to it, which sometimes is really hard. And then it's amazing how most of the time it goes away and doesn't come back if you behave differently. As Dr. Covey would say, you can't talk your way out of a problem that you behaved yourself into. You can only behave yourself out of that problem. As you're saying this, would you say that pain is the best leadership teacher? <laughs> yes, beautifully said. Yeah, I mean, it sounds sort of counterintuitive, but Absolutely. And it's always self-inflicted, right? It's, and it's usually without guile. It's usually, 
I did not mean to offend you. I did not mean to disparage that group of people. I didn't mean, my intent was not aligned with my technique. You see, that's the problem. Therein, most of us judge other people by their technique, their behavior, but we want them to judge us by our intent. Well, I didn't mean to do that. Well, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not, you did, and that was offensive. And so I think it's really important for you to bring greater parity between what you think and what you say, what you think and what you do, and not everything that comes out of your mouth is going to sound as smart or as funny as it did when you rehearsed it in your head. Welcome to my career. Well said. Um, well, for my listeners who get your book and read it, what is one thing you really hope that they take away from this book? You know, Rob, I've written seven books and the conventional wisdom in the publishing world is you write really clearly for your reader. Like who is your reader? What is her name? What is her avatar? What is his persona? And get your voice real specific. It's actually not how I write books. Maybe it's because my books don't sell well. well. They sell sufficiently well to keep getting book deals. But I write for me. I, if it makes sense to me, then I write it. So I write for people like me that are well-intended, but sometimes say stupid things, that are well-intended, but sometimes do stupid things. And they're on a growth. Kind of My whole life has been two steps forward, one step back. I'm barely ahead of myself. So my books are very episodic. And I hope that, I know that if you buy any of the Master Mentors books, you'll find a chapter that speaks to you in the exact role that you're in life, whether it's you've just ended a relationship, whether you've just started a new job or ended an old job, whether you've experienced loss or grief, or you've won the lottery, whether you're launching a new business or you're in your crescendo years, whatever you are, I think you will find several things that speak to you exactly where you are in life, or maybe where you are later in life, you'll come back and say, oh my gosh, I read that at Master Mentors. That's exactly what I need at this point in my life. So I, I hope it speaks to a broad variety of people at different points in different roles in their life. Well said. Well, again, how can people find out a little bit more about you and more about this new book? Well, I'm kind of hard not to find, according to my wife, and actually, she's not a compliment. She thinks I'm overexposed. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I'm there, loud and loud. Uh, you can buy my books everywhere books are sold. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on Leadership with Scott Miller. I also host a second podcast called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. Both are weekly audio and video. And you can visit scottjeffreymiller.com where all my books, all my columns, all my LinkedIn posts, all the podcasts, everything I'm thinking is there. And I hope you enjoy it. Well, that's great. Well, Scott, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your insights with us. I encourage my leaders to uh, and listeners to get this book. And again, just thanks for all you're doing to help us all become better leaders. Rob, thank you for the platform and the spotlight. I appreciate you. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world.
better.